This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence with thanksgiving. We come together and ask you to speak to us through your word by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for Jesus, who is not only our qualified Savior and Lord, but he's also our high priest. Help us to understand more of what that means. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you come to this message in Hebrews chapter 7, the Machizeldeck factor, Jesus lives forever to save you completely, I want you to direct your attention to the fact that Genesis 14 is the first mention of this mystery man, Machizeldeck. It says, after Abram returned from defeating Keldalaram and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavet, that is, the king's valley. Then Machizeldeck, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to the God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. It goes on to say, The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, then I will, that I will accept nothing belonging to you. So tell us about this encounter. What does it mean that Abram encountered this mystery man named Machizeldeck? Well, the context here in Genesis 14 is that Lot, a relative of Abram, had been captured. And he had to make an incredibly huge rescue to overcome the forces, and God gave him the victory, and he was able to rescue Lot. So picture Abram having defeated the enemy and delivered his um, cousin uh, Lot, have, having all this spoil, all the, the, uh, the clothing and the, uh, this, the uh, trappings from the winning of this war. And as he's coming, he meets the king of Sodom, and the king of Sodom is going to bless him and give him even more stuff. But before he answers the king of Sodom, he meets the king of Salem. Who is this mystery man? Well, first of all, we look at the fact of his name. His name means 
righteousness. Mechezeldek means righteousness or justice. And so he is the epitome of righteousness. Whoever this man is, he's the epitome or the fullness of what it means to be righteous. Right there, you get a clue that this mystery man who came out of nowhere to meet Abram was out of the ordinary. He wasn't just a mere mortal because he was completely righteous. Secondly, we find here in Hebrews 7 that it says that he described himself he was described as the king of Salem. Now Salem of course is an abbreviation for Jerusalem. Jerusalem has Jeru and Salem. So Jerusalem Salem means peace. So this man is not only the epitome of righteousness, but he's the king of peace. Already you're saying to yourself, wow, I don't know who this man is, but he's something else. He's the epitome of righteousness, and he's the king of peace? What else do we know about this mystery man? Well, it goes on to say in Hebrews 7 uh, that he was a priest of God Most High. Now, to use God's name, and he reveals himself with several names in the Bible, Most High is a very special designation for God. And it's the Hebrew El Elyon. El Elyon. That's E-L for God and E-L-Y-O-N for Most High, God Most High. The Hebrew El Elyon, God Most High, is used at very specific and special occasions. And to be known as the priest of the Most High God is of highest authority. It's of highest credentials. You might remember that Daniel was asked to interpret a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And he spoke about, Daniel said, the Most High puts people in places of position and removes them from position of power. So who has all authority? God does. And he's known as the Most High. There was uh, Nebuchadnezzar thinking, I built my kingdom, and uh, God punished him so that he became like an animal, uh, getting covered with the dew of the morning and growing long fingernails so they became like claws. And he went temporarily insane until he acknowledged that God is the most high over the affairs of men. So who's the most high? God is. And this mystery man is the epitome of righteousness, he's the king of peace, and he's now the priest of the Most High God. At that point, Abram must have been trembling in his sandals because this was a phenomenal person. And it says in Hebrews 7, he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. 
Now, that's the most important part, that he blesses Abraham. Why? Because Abraham is the founder and the most respected one of Judaism. When you think of Judaism, the Jewish faith, who's the patriarch of the Jewish faith? Father Abraham. And so to have one bless another, it implies that the person blessing is greater than the person being blessed. This is a very important point. Who's greater, Abraham or Melchizedek? And the answer is Melchizedek, because he's the one who's blessing Abraham, not the other way around. So whatever we know about this mystery man, we know he's even greater than Father Abraham. Who could be greater than Father Abraham? Notice also that he brought out bread and wine. As the priest, bringing out bread and wine was very symbolic. Now, of course, when we see that he brings out bread and wine, we know what that represents. It represents communion, the Lord's Supper, and Jesus' death on the cross, that he gave his body and his blood for our salvation. This plot is thickening with every sentence, every descriptor given in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 and following. We're like impressed by every detail as we look at this and Genesis 14. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. Because it says that he received from Abraham a tenth. Now, when you give a tenth of all the spoils you've gotten from the victory in war to somebody else, again, that implies that person is greater than you, but it also implies you're giving it unto the Lord. Now, here in the church, you've heard of the concept of tithing, haven't you? What does tithing mean? Tithing means giving a 10% of your earnings to the Lord, giving him the first fruits of your earnings. You are honoring God by your financial giving, and you're giving him the top 10% right off the top, saying, Lord, everything I've gotten is from you, and I return it unto you as an act of worship and thanksgiving, and as, a worship, as an act of continuing to trust in you, and as a preventive from me worshiping my money instead of worshiping you. Did you know that? That tithing prevents you from worshiping your money because you put your emphasis in the right place on God you trust, not in money you trust. So God said, try me in this. Uh, give me uh, the tithe and I will open the windows of heaven and I will fill your cup to overflowing and I will prevent uh, the, the uh, pests from eating holes in your purse pocket. So God is promising that if we will put him first in our finances, 
He will not only bless us by giving us more till our cup overflows, but He will also preserve the things we have so our car doesn't break down all the time and we got to pour money into this thing, this money trap. So God is daring us to put Him first in Malachi chapter 3, talking about tithing. But here's the interesting thing. The law was not yet given. So was tithing part of the law? No. It pre-existed before the law. That says a lot. That Abraham, Abram um, felt compelled to do this act of worship by just automatically giving a tenth of the spoils from the battle to this mystery man. Something is going on. Would you agree with me? He's acknowledging that this man is the Lord. That's what he's doing. And why is this important? Because back in our story, we see that the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Because he wanted to give uh, Abram even more stuff. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, after this encounter with the king of Salem, I have raised my hand and sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not accept nothing belonging to you. Who did he just talk to? Machizeldeck. So what's he saying here? He's saying, I did not meet a mere man. I met the Lord, and I gave unto him. And because I gave unto him, he will meet all of my needs, and I don't need anything from you. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? This is a wonderful passage, because when we go back to... Uh, the beginning of Genesis 14, 17, you have that Abram meets the king of Sodom, but then suddenly, in the middle of that picture, this mystery man comes and meets with Abram. I believe that the king of Sodom came out to meet Abram, and somehow, some way, Abram had this spiritual encounter with God where he surrendered all to him, symbolic by giving the tenth to him, and God was blessing him, the Lord was blessing him, so that uh, Abram had a heart that was full. He was content. He was thankful. He was blessed. He trusted in the Lord. And having that kind of commitment, he could um, go on with life without needing other people to add stuff to him. Are you at that point in your life where you know the Lord and you're trusting in him and you're giving the first fruits unto him and recognizing he's the source and supplier of all that you need and as you trust in him, you have this divine, supernatural contentment and peace. It says in 1 Timothy that contentment with godliness 
equals true wealth. You want to see a wealthy human being? It's not the person who has the most money or all these financial portfolios. The person who's the wealthiest person is the person who has contentment inside their heart and godliness of faith and hope in the Lord. That equals true wealth. Paul said, I've known what it's been like to have little. I know what it's like to to have a lot. And here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who's the source of my wealth? Who's the source of my contentment? Who's the sense of my sense of well-being? It's the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. By trusting in Him, I have everything I need. You know, the King James Version of Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It doesn't mean, because the Lord is my shepherd, that I don't have any needs. That's the King James interpretation. The English understanding of that is, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. That's what that verse means. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Do you know that? Every good and perfect gift continuously comes from the Father of lights, in whom there's no shifting or shadow of change. The Lord is constantly blessing you. He's constantly providing for you. And very few of us are acknowledging how much the Lord is coming through for us. If we would only stop and say, thank you, Lord. If we would only stop and count our blessings and name them one by one. Like Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He has healed you from your diseases, and he's renewed your youth, and he's with you. Read Psalm 103. The beauty of it is, Abram had that kind of divine encounter with the Lord. The problem is that too many people stop at Genesis 14. If you go on to Genesis 15, God has a, Abram has another encounter, and this time it's clearly with God, spelled out. And God says, well, aren't you happy? He says, yes, but Eleazar is going to be my descendant. This servant in his um, entourage of uh, employees is going to inherit everything because he doesn't yet have a physical descendant. And God says, I'm going to give you a physical descendant and I will bless you. And you know what it says? In Genesis 15, verse 6, it says, And Abram believed God and he counted it that is, God counted it unto Abraham, Abram as righteousness. You see, this prior encounter of Abram meeting with Machizeldek, who is the Lord incarnate, uh, being there as a theophany, as a pre-existent uh, revelation of the Lord Jesus, this encounter that Abram had with Machizeldek prepared him to be able to believe God, when he said, I'm going to provide a descendant for you, a physical descendant from you, one who will descend from your body. And Abram believed God. 
In his heart of hearts, he says, I know you will do that. I believe you can do that. I trust you 100%. And God credited that belief unto Abram as righteous. And that's what, how we come to faith. We come to faith by trusting that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins so our sins could be forgiven, that he rose from the dead so he can give us eternal life. And when we believe in Jesus Christ crucified and buried and resurrected and ascended, we are saved. By trusting in Jesus Christ, he comes into our hearts and we receive the righteousness of God himself. That's why Abraham is not just the founder of Judaism. He is the father of all who believe. We have trusted in Jesus Christ, and we're descendants of Abraham because he led the way in this faith that we're to have. Now, having made this point, let's then finish this description of Melchizedek as given in Hebrews 7 and Genesis 14. We saw that his name means righteousness, and he's described as king of Salem, and he's the priest of the Most High God, and he brought out the bread and wine, symbolic of redemption, and he blessed Abraham because he was greater than Abraham, and he received a tenth from Abram because he's uh, greater than Abram. But it says he had no ancestry. If you look at Hebrews 7, 3, Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So who is this mystery man? Again, it's the pre-incarnate Christ. It's Jesus before he became human as being God who always existed and exists now and will always exist, he showed up in Abram's time and he is forever. So to say that Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek is to say Jesus is a high priest forever. Now let me bring this home because we see in Hebrews 7, this incredible word. It says in Hebrews 7, uh, and I'm looking for indestructible. Thank you. Verse 16, it says, um, and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Let's bring this home. If you are going to be saved, you need a Savior who represents you, who's human just like you are. Jesus became human, just like you and me. If you're going to be saved, then this representative has to live 
in 100% complete obedience, never sinning. And Jesus, being fully God, as well as being fully human, did that. He never sinned. Even though he was tempted to the nth degree, even though he went through trials that we all have gone through and we've given up early, and he endured it all the way to the worst that that trial could be, without sin, Jesus endured all of our pain, all of our struggles, and he gave his sinless life on the cross. Now, up in heaven, there is the heavenly tabernacle. And in the heavenly tabernacle, there is the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. The high priest goes into the Holy of Holies. But the high priest had to offer sacrifices for his own sin, and he only did this once a year, and he did it every year, year after year. Jesus goes into the heavenly tabernacle. He doesn't have to offer a sacrifice for his sins because he was sinless. And because he's of the order of Machizeldeck, that is, the order that's indestructible and lasts forever, he provided that blood on the covenant, uh, on the Ark of the Covenant, his own blood, so we could be forgiven once for all. And being forgiven, he doesn't stop there, but he intercedes for us. He prays for us to finish, to, to come all the way home to heaven. That's the high priest we have that he not only is our Savior providing the blood so we could be forgiven, he's the high priest who's interceding for us so that we will not fail, we will not fall, we will come into his presence. Aren't you glad that we have Jesus who can save us to the uttermost because he is of the priesthood that lasts forever. The bottom line is, because Jesus is greater than Moses, because Jesus is greater than Abraham, his covenant is greater than the old covenant. That's why he doesn't have to be related to Aaron and Levi, because the old covenant only reveals we're sinners, but doesn't provide the answer of salvation that's in Jesus the Messiah. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is uh, all that you have revealed him to be, our Savior, our Lord, and our High Priest. Thank you that his finished work on the cross with his shed blood provides forgiveness and atonement so that we are forgiven of our sins and made at one with you. But also thank you that he's ever interceding at your right hand, always in your presence, not just once a year, but always in your presence, to save us completely until we are standing before you with exceeding joy. Such a wonderful, sympathetic high priest, how could we hesitate even to come to him and to express our needs. Help us to come to Jesus often and ask him for help through our struggles and pains and temptations. 
Help us to realize that we have one who is praying for us, who is standing up for us, who loves us, who believes in us, and who will carry us all the way home. Thank you, Jesus, for being that wonderful Savior. Thank you, Father, for giving us strength day by day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for uh, empowering us during good times and bad. We love you, we praise you, and we rely on you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.